Psalm 118. You're going to have to open your Bibles for this one because um, it is going to be really helpful to be able to follow along. Now, Psalm 18 is actually the very middle chapter of the entire Bible, if you're wondering where to find it. It's just dead middle. Uh, when they put the, the numbers and the chapters in 800 years ago, because lo and behold, when they wrote the Bible, they didn't go, chapter 19, verse 1. And wrote it like that. Uh, they needed to find a way that you could find verses and, and find bits really easily. So uh, 800 years ago, they put the chapters in. A few hundred years later, they put the verses in. Make it really easy to try and find it. Um, mainly because our memories were getting worse. Uh, and so it might have been a day where you had to memorise it all and, and know it all, but now it's just easy. Uh, so 118 just happens to be the middle chapter. That's of no significance um, at all um, in the... The original author didn't go, I'm now writing the very central point of the Bible. Uh, but it's an interesting trivia fact. Uh, what's also interesting is Psalm 117 before it is the shortest chapter in the Bible. Uh, it only has two verses. And uh, Psalm 119 after it is the longest chapter in the, the whole Bible. So it goes on and on and on and on. Look, I'm still flipping. There you go, 176 verses in that one. Um, so... Um, if someone challenges you to read a chapter, you know where to go. Um, Psalm 117, not 19. Uh, but 118, it's not, you know, you know, the previous weeks we've talked about Psalms, they've got a title. This one doesn't really have a title, uh, probably because it was pretty well known. This is what was known as a Hallel Psalm. Uh, now, interesting, I'm, I'm full of trivia today. Um, the word Hallelujah, do you know where that comes from? Hallelujah is a word that, that was created using two words. Hallel, uh, which means to praise, uh, and this is a psalm of Hallel, this is a psalm of praise, uh, and you, which is mentioned in this, this text, which is sort of shorthand for saying Yahweh. Uh, so Hallel you uh, becomes Hallelujah, and it's praise be to God uh, as the meaning of it. This is one of those psalms that it is a praise psalm, a Hallel psalm. That's significant because there were six, I keep going to hold up seven, I don't know why, there were six Hallel Psalms that were sung over the festival of Passover. Uh, and so we're going to, to look at that uh, because I think it's significant as we come to look at this psalm, when it was used, how it was used, uh, and what it says. Um, but as we look at introducing it and going through it, Psalm 118, it starts and ends with the same verse. Uh, and that is this. If you've got it open, you can follow along. Verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Blah, 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 blah. And then it ends. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Uh, that's what this is about. Now, we've just been singing songs like that, haven't we? We've just been singing words, you know, worthy are you, you know, um, holy is your name. Um, give thanks to the Lord for, for he is good. Uh, we've sung about him being saviour and giving his life for us and all of that. Uh, and that his faithful love endures forever. But I don't know about you, um, but you know, how do you do that? How do you praise God? How do you, you open yourself? How do, how do you give your heart to him? You know, it's, it's one thing to come and say, yeah, God loves me. Yep. I praise you, Lord, because you love me so. Um, but it's up here, isn't it? I mean, you're not really expressing love, are you? You're expressing a truth. Uh, and yet this word praise, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. It, it's a joy, it's a celebration, it's an opening up of yourself and giving you all to him. 
And when someone just says, praise God, you can't just go, oh, okay, uh, and sort of poof, just, just sort of pour it out. How, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, this psalm, I think, helps bring us to that place. It helps to open us up to a place where we can actually, from the very core of who we are, give thanks to God. So we're going to look at that. Um, firstly, when was this used? This was a psalm that was used during Passover. So it was one of six psalms that would have been sung. There would have been a tune to this and they would have pulled out an instrument or, and they would have sung it. Uh, they would have sung this psalm towards the end of Passover. So Passover, of course, if you're not familiar, Passover was this celebration, uh, the festival that they, they marked every year that remembered their time in Egypt. We remember that the, Israelite, the Israelites were, were slaves in Egypt. They had moved there to escape famine and drought. Uh, they grew so numerous that Pharaoh finally went, no, we've got to put a stop to this, and he enslaved them. And they served the Egyptian people. Uh, and it was a terrible time. It was a terrible, terrible time for them. Uh, and so Passover was this time where they remembered how God set them free from that. How God sent ten plagues to, to convince Pharaoh that, hey, you, know, you need to let go of my people and let them go. And of course the culmination of all those plagues is that they eventually lead to the, the angel of death coming and passing over. And the angel of death, uh, as Moses is instructed and informs Pharaoh, that will take the firstborn of every household. Regardless of whether you're, you're Jewish or, or you're Egyptian, didn't matter. The one way you could stop the firstborn from dying was to take the blood of a lamb that was slaughtered and you could paint your doorpost with it. And if the angel of death came past, saw the blood on the doorpost, it would keep going and you know, it would pass over your house. And so this, this celebration, this festival, was a time to remember that it was that miracle, it was that one that finally broke Pharaoh's back that finally allowed them to be set free. Uh, and so it's a remembrance of being set free from slavery, it's a remembrance of God's goodness and faithfulness to them, that he, he set them free. Great time. And, and Psalm 118 is sung at the end of that. So you can imagine a family sitting around, they're eating a meal much like the Passover meal that took place. That lamb that was killed, to, you know, they cooked it up, they ate it with who was ever in the household. They were not to leave any, they were meant to eat it all. So, you know, it's like a who has leftover Christmas you know, food at the end. See, no, 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 no. Passover, you eat the lot. It's like, no, you can fit another mouthful in. And so they eat big and, and as they're eating, they would have told the story and there are significant little events that take place at a Passover event. That, that reminds you of all that God did in that time. And then right at the end of it, as you've been reminded, as you've heard of the story and, and you've thought about it, you finally come to Psalm 118. You come to Psalm 118. So let's go through, look at the structure now uh, of it, so it will help to have it open. So verses 1 to 4 really begin and it is give thanks to God so give thanks to the Lord for he is good his faithful love endures forever and just in case you missed the point it will repeat it over and over again let all Israel repeat his faithful love endures forever let Aaron's descendants the priests repeat his faithful love endures forever let all who fear the Lord repeat his faithful love endures forever. are you getting the point this is the theme of this psalm his faithful love endures forever it goes on to, in verse 5 to 13 to speak about the troubles that were overcome. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. 
The Lord is for me, so I'll have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Though hostile nations surround me, I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. Yes, they surrounded and attacked me, but I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. They swarmed around me like bees. They blazed against me like a crackling fire, but I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. My enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. Here's this reminder, isn't it? Uh, This reminder uh, of the troubles and the the distress they're in. And you've got to put yourself in their shoes. I mean, you're talking about your ancestors, aren't you? We're speaking about the trouble my ancestors faced. These are real people in real life. We're talking about a few hundred years ago, my ancestors were slaves. They, they were slaves in Egypt, not figuratively. But they were literal slaves. And if they had not been set free, what would I be today? I, too, would be a slave. That would be my lot in life. I would have no freedom, I would have no power or autonomy, I would not be able to to direct the course of of my life, I would be raising children who were raised as slaves, we would have that yoke, that heavy burden of hard manual labour, we would be stuck in that situation. So it says, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord. Later on, it goes, my enemies surround me. And, and you're, you're reminding yourself of the story of how God set you free from that. And even as you entered the promised land and the nations around who occupied you, you know, even though they surrounded you like a swarm of bees, as a, a raging fire crackling all around you, even though you're in the midst of your enemies, God still was there. He was still faithful. He still protected you and guarded you. And so we remember all that God has done. We remember not just what he did, though. We're remembering, really, what difference this makes for me, don't we? If God had not done all of that in the past, I would be a slave today. I would not be free. I would not be here in the promised land. I would not have blessings all around. It really hits home. Verse 14 to 21 um, is this point driven home that it was God who saved them in real history the Lord is my strength and my song he has given me victory songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly the strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things the strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph the strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things I will not die instead I will live to tell what the Lord has done The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not let me die. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. So even though, yes, the hand of God was there to discipline me, you know, he didn't allow us to die. He rescued us and saved us, and the journey was not all good. You know, there were ups and downs, but here we are. We've arrived. And, and show me the gates. Where is the gate? Where can I go and meet God? Because I will gladly go and I will give thanks and I will say, praise you, Lord, for all that you've done in my life, because it is you who've saved us, uh, you and you alone. Verse 22 to 24 then. Uh, says he redeemed you from slaves to free people, just in case you didn't get it. Um, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. 
This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, as I read that, you might be going, hang on, that's talking about Jesus, isn't it? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. We we, we associate that with Jesus, don't we? Because when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, that's what he said to them. He said to them, you know, you've rejected the stone. You know, he's talking about himself. But when they wrote this, they're not thinking Jesus. Who is the stone that the builders rejected that they're talking of here? This is the very people of God. They're talking about Israel. Saying this, this, this people who were rejected, that no one cared about, that were stuck in slavery, they were set free. The, build, the stone the builders rejected, the people of God, has been redeemed. And now it's in, now look at it. It's in its own land, its own nation, its own people, in the promised land that God gave to them. They are now being a blessing to the whole world, influencing the world around them. Uh, this is the one that was rejected who is now no longer rejected. It's become the cornerstone. It's become so important. It's become the nation where the very temple of God dwells. And he will always be our saviour in verse 25 to 28. Please, Lord, please save us. Now you think, why are they asking that? They've already been saved, aren't they free? And yet there's this recognition that, that even though we were once saved, there's this continual need, an ongoing need to be saved, isn't there? Uh, so please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Because God has been faithful, because God loved us in the past, because of all God has done, here in the present day, we believe his love will continue and it will be faithful and it will endure and he will continue to love us here. And that means we can trust in the future that that love will continue with us. I mean, that's what this sounds about. Hence... Therefore, you can now give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever because of what he has done in the past, in the real past, affects you in the present and gives you confidence for the future. Therefore, you can give thanks. Now, if you're like me, you hear that and you go, whatever. Is it? I don't see many of you going, woo! Yeah, God! You are a champion, God. Yeah. Why? Probably because we've sitting there going, yeah, I know this. I've heard this over and over again. Like, yeah, of course I know God loves me. Of course I know God saves me. I know he's my saviour. Of course I know this stuff. This is just, eh, oh, harm. Yeah, tell me something I don't know, James. Um, you know, and it's hard to be excited all the time, isn't it? But, you know, there are times we are allowed to get excited. Uh, and so I want to get us a little excited. I want to do that by putting this in, in contrast. Who's seen the movie The Life of Pi? You bunch of uneducated people, you know, what are you doing? You know, go, go watch movies, you know, educate yourself about what the world's about, you know, go on, um, explore, dive in. Um, I give you permission to watch all sorts of movies, you know, see what the world is, is, is on about and what they're talking about. Um, Life of Pi is one of those movies you sort of go, yeah, okay, that, that, that's worth a watch. Um, I've been wanting to watch it for ages and only watched it a few weeks ago. And as a family watched it, if you have no idea what it is, it's a movie about a kid who survives on a boat after being shipwrecked, uh, well, it, it sank, um, on, a, on a life raft. It's a pretty big life raft, but he survives on it for 228 days out in the ocean with a Bengal tiger on it. And you think, how could that be possible? And you're absolutely right, it's not. Um, 
<laughs> you watch it and you go, oh, maybe. Uh, but then you go, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think he would have been eaten for lunch. But um, that's the story. It's a story about a, a boy called Pi. He, uh, that's not his real name, but you have to watch the movie to find out what his real name is. Um, his name's Pi, and uh, he's travelling to Canada on a boat with his family, and his family manages zoo, and so they happen to have all these animals on board, and, and as the boat sinks above the, the deepest part of the ocean, the Mariana Trench, um, he ends up on this life raft with, with some zoo animals. Now, the whole context of this movie is that there's an author uh, who's got writer's block. He spent two years writing a story, and at the end of two years, he screws it up and goes, that's pathetic. And he's talking to someone one day in India, um, and he says, oh, you're looking for a story, are you? If you want a story that'll change your life, you need to speak to somebody, uh, my nephew. Uh, speak to him, and uh, his story will convince you there's a God. And so, of course, he, he travels back to, to Canada and goes and, and meets with Pi and, and he says, oh, look, your uncle tells me you have a story that will make me believe in God. He goes, well, we'll see, you know, maybe. And so on goes this story and he tells this, this fanciful story and really it is a, an amazing story. It's a story of how um, an orangutan, a zebra, a hyena, a tiger and a boy um, go on this journey on this life raft for 228 days out in ocean. Uh, and it's amazing that it's colour, the movie itself is colourful. Um, it's well worth watching. But there is this message in it all. Uh, he goes through this, this amazing, tells his story, takes you know, an hour and a half to tell this story. And then right at the end, he tells a story where he's back on land, he's survived, he's in hospital, the animals are gone. Uh, and the people who owned the boat that sank are interviewing him. And they say, now look, tell us what happened. And he, he said, I told them this story. And they said, rubbish, that's a terrible story. No one's going to believe that. Um, come on, we need to go back to our insurers and tell them why this boat sank. You know, give us a reason. What, what, tell us what really happened. And so in the next five minutes then, he tells this terrible story, a tragic story of how five humans were on a, a life raft and when all sorts of terrible things happened, by the end of it, only one is left. And I survived, and here I am. And they go, yep, that's, that, we can believe that. That's a good one. We'll, we'll go with that. But it gets to the point in the story where, where Pi looks to the, the author who is interviewing him. And he says, now look, I want to ask you a question. You've just heard two stories. The circumstances are changed. They both have a shipwreck. Both have me surviving. But which story did you like better? And the author looks and thinks and he goes, oh, the, the tiger story. Yep, yep, the tiger story. It, it's the better story. Yep, I, I, I would rather hear that story and, and be told that story than the other one any day. Yep. And so Pi then looks and goes, mm, thank you for answering my question. And so it is with God. And I'm there going, did I miss something? Like, what? Like, this is the point in the movie that's meant to ram home, you know, this big truth that's meant to convince you that God exists. And I, I'm just there going, what? Like, no, so much I had to go do research. I had to go, go online and go, what are they talking about? So I went and, um, what, what is he saying about God? So I went and found the, the actual author of the book. Um, his name is Jan Martel. And... Uh, he, he himself says this about 
the book. He says you can summarise it in three statements. One, life's a story. Two, you can choose your story. Three, a story with God's a better story. That's the point of the book. I'm sitting there going, and that's meant to convince me that there's a God? Am I the only crazy one that's not convinced by that? If you can make up a story where God's great and you can make up a story where, where, where it helps you cope with life and manage life better, then do it. And who's to say you're wrong? If it works for you, it's great. And I just said again, you've got to be kidding me, aren't you? I mean, that's what critics of religions claim. They say that it's nothing more than a crutch, don't they? You've heard that one, haven't you? Religion's a crutch for people who can't handle life as it is. So what do you do? You make up a God who'll make all things right, who'll save you and rescue you, who who says you're wonderful even though you're not. Um, You know, says all these nice things. It's just a crutch because you can't handle the truth. Um, And so it's it's bizarre. I'm sitting there reading this story going, you've got to be kidding me. This is the story you'll tell to prove there's a God? Because I've got to tell you, I've got a better story. Haven't we got a better story than that? We've got a much better story. Not some fanciful story of of tigers and and humans living on life rafts. We've got a story that is not made up, that's not fictional. It's not a story you just choose because it sounds nice and it's the better story. And We don't hold that, do we? I don't want a story. I want truth. Shame. If there's a God, surely there's evidence of it. Surely there are things that God has done that go, oh, wow, look. There's evidence of God. That's the story I want to hear, and that's the story I hold to. So I look at this story, and I told my kids, you know the life of Pi is a story about God? Like it's, it's trying to make a point about it, and they go, really? I said, yeah. <laughs> trying to say, you know, have, whatever, whatever faith you believe, whatever God, you know, if it works for you, it's all right. And I go, no, 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 it's not about making it up. We have such a great story. Because we have our own song to sing. We may not sing about how our ancestors were slaves in Egypt and how God set us free and how now we are uh, 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 you know, in this blessed place and say, thank you, God, for all that you've done. We don't sing that. We certainly use some of the same words, don't we? We use some of the same words. When we look at uh, those words in verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. We say that, but with new meaning. And as Christian believers, we we look to a God who has revealed himself. We look to a God who has manifest himself in real history. You know, in all the world, there are, I mean, there's those who will deny, but there's no one with any credibility who denies that Jesus Christ was an actual living person. No one. Yeah, absolutely, he was an historical figure. There is no one at all that will deny that he was an influential teacher that he came and, and, and started a movement, that he had followers. Um, there was no denying um, that, that those followers claimed that he did the miraculous, that there are accounts and records that this, you know, we, we call these the scriptures as if they were something handed down from God by an angel that, that just fluttered down into the hands of someone and went, oh, this is awesome, I'm going to copy it and hand it out. Um, you know, th- these are real people writing real historical accounts of, of what took place, uh, particularly in the Gospels. Luke's Gospel starts by saying, hey, I'm a doctor, I'm a man of science and learning, and I set about to write out an accurate account of all the things that took place. And to do that, I went and interviewed everybody and got eyewitness statements and said, here you go, this is what happened. No one denied that Jesus existed, that Jesus 
supposedly performed miracles. No one denies he was crucified. No one denies that. People will deny he was raised from the dead. They'll deny that bit. But no one denies that his followers absolutely believed without a shadow of a doubt that he rose risen from the grave. No one denies that. No one denies that his followers went around telling the message that, that Jesus has, has been risen from the grave and because he's conquered death, he can conquer it for you. No one denies that. No one denies that these same followers were willing to die and give their life for this very message. And not many people give their life and are willing to be crucified, upside down, tortured, beaten, stoned, whipped, flogged, imprisoned. Not many people are willing to do that to defend a lie. No one denies any of this. And no one denies that this is history. Not some story, not some legend, folklore that we made up because it sounds nice and helps explain things and puts a pretty bow on things. History, real events. And as we look at these things, I go, wow, what a story we've got. A God who comes in the flesh. A God who does amazing things. A God who promises such incredible things and then fulfills it. This is the story you and I have to share. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Do we have reason to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not because it's a better story or life's a story and you can choose your own. But because we see who God is. Romans 5, 6 to 8 probably summarises this for us. It might be a, you know, if you're going to say, oh, this would be a good verse to memorise, um, this would be a good one. Romans 5, 6 to 8 says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. And this is the verse that I'd like to just talk about for a little bit. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. But God showed his great love for us. Probably not a great translation, that word showed, um, because the, the tense of that word is actually present and continuing. Um, it's not, he, he did this thing in the past. Uh, so it might be better... Translators demonstrates. So God demonstrates his love right here, right now, in the present time, and will continue to demonstrate it. God demonstrates his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, what he did in the past. And so what took place there impacts our life now. We look back and we go, he died for us, he died for me there, and that greatly impacts me now in the present. And so I can be thankful. And it will continue to impact me. It will continue to have impact for me, not just in the days ahead, the months, the years, but for all of eternity. All of eternity. God demonstrated his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Our story is a great one. Our story about who God is is awesome. You won't find a story like it anywhere. It's not a story where we've got to check our brains out at the front door, come into church, enter fantasy land, dream and think about wonderful things that happen in the spiritual realms. No, no, no. Leave your brain intact. Come think about it. 
come reflect and look at all that God has done in this world that people have testified to and then give thanks, give thanks for it and go and live as if it makes a difference. His faithful love endures forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for revealing yourself to us. Uh, It is a a great question to ask. If there was a God, if there was a God worth knowing, would that God reveal himself? And the answer is yes. So we thank you that in the person of Jesus Christ, we see that the fullest manifestation of God, the fullest revelation we could find, Jesus himself, while he was on earth, said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we're so grateful we can see you, Jesus. I'm so grateful for all that you've done, all that you've revealed about God, about the world, about who we are, and about our future. We're so grateful. We thank you that you're so good, and that your love was not just demonstrated back then, but it will endure. That your love will always be there for us. We thank you. I pray, Lord, you would help us to not just see that as something that that happened in the past, not just be able to agree to truths, statements that help us to see what a difference that makes to our lives now that we are no longer slaves to sin that we are free that we have a future and while that future might be it seems a little spiritual you know a heaven living in eternity with you in a palace and mansions prepared for us and rooms in it and uh, without pain or suffering and yeah, that, that seems like a fanciful place in the world but we can be confident in that because we're confident in what you have done and what you are doing, which allows for what will come. So again, we thank you. Help us to be people who are filled with thanks. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.